Anyway, are we rolling? Okay. So we're here in Austin. I'm telling you that we're on. I know we're on. I heard you say, are we rolling? Yeah. Move the mic closer to your mouth. Okay. Hello? Yeah. And the guest is in the elevator. Yeah. We are in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And today's guest, well, is this, are you playing the theme song now? This, this is, how, is running really smoothly. Yeah, this is Howie Mandel does stuff. I'm Howie Mandel. I'm Jacqueline Schultz. And we are in Austin. Mm-hmm. And uh, chasing guests that we can't uh, we can't get in L.A. Yeah. Oh, I oh, hear I there's hear a knock knocking. at the door. Our guest is here. It is. I think it is. Do you want to? Is it Tony? Tony? Yeah. Yes, it's Tony. Tony Hinchcliffe, ladies and gentlemen, Hello. from Kill Tony. Be careful. Hi. Yes. Uh, wait. wait, so there's three more minutes left in the podcast? Oh. And no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Yeah, no. Are you not sitting in? Wait, you want, me, you want me now? I thought you said, oh, you were making, okay. It was like a joke. It was a joke. <laughs> not a good one. <laughs> I thought, there's so many podcasts happening nowadays that I thought you meant there were three minutes left in this one, and you were going to tape another one. No, this is it. This is the beginning of this one. We started, we rolled before you got here. I love it. Yeah, Tony Hinchcliffe, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! A very funny comedian, entrepreneur, and podcaster. You, you say, and I believe this is true, the number one live podcast in the world? It is, and we're in front of a live audience, and uh, it's a very niche show it's all about stand-up comedy why is it niche as opposed to niche Niche. (laughs) i did say that wrong i took a chance there it's the hard ch yeah i hate when you do that though i hate when you call people you know what he took the e off he took the e off niche it's niche no but he's a niche Niche. i said niche Niche. okay you can create your own shit you can do it you know if you have the number one show i feel like you can make up words (laughs) yeah it is. I feel uh, like you two met at Warby Parker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mine are fake. Mine are too. No, they're not. Are Absolutely. They're... These are not prescription. They're not? Mm-mm. You're going for oh, a look? Wow. No, I'm, this is my hang, hungover. Uh... But if you're hungover, why aren't you wearing sunglasses? Like, why, what, what's the clear? What I've learned is that wearing normal glasses for me works better than sunglasses when it comes to a hangover. Sunglasses uh, um, take away everything. (laughs) Whereas with normal glasses, I still have a little bit of, like, I can, like. Right. (laughs) Right. That's exactly what I was thinking. I don't understand what the fuck you just said. No, I get it. When I put mine on, I was. It's a, I was doing that. It's a very, <laughs> it's a very niche thing to uh, do, but, you know. It doesn't do anything. I know. It doesn't. It's like you stayed inside and you're looking out the window to see if it's windy. It's like you're not. It doesn't. Clear glasses do nothing, but both of you are wearing fake glasses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in town. I got to do, and this will air after, so maybe people saw it, but I got to do Kill Tony. I'm a yeah. huge fan of uh, your show, which has been going on. You're like one of the first podcasts ever, 10 years. Yeah, 10 and a half years now. 10 and a half years. Well, well I should talk about like this when we're going to air we're going to air this episode. Uh, Kill Tony has been going on for 13 and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but it is as much as I love 
it and watching it and um, and so many uh, comedians have launched a career and I know their names and viral videos just explode uh, out of there where I don't even know, I didn't know sometimes that it was from your, it's just amazing what you have created. Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, it's constantly evolving, and I'm always trying to like make make it new and figure out how to evolve the questions. Other than how long they've been doing stand up and what they do for a living, like it's like I'm always trying to keep myself entertained. But not only that, you have an amazing, probably one of the best bands I've ever heard. Yeah, which we don't really get to hear when we watch your show yeah you know uh when you go there live there's like 20 minutes of i don't know how long it is but but the band will play and really does because you told me like whatever time the show is going to begin you go we go down for 15 minutes in 15 minutes i go well isn't that late you go no 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 listen to this the band is that the room is packed people have been waiting a year to get tickets Mm -hmm. and that room is packed and this band who are seem like the most accomplished accomplished musicians you could possibly hear in that kind of venue up close really sets a vibe and not only do they set a vibe they also i feel like even as a comedian or as a host you have like a backup band which is playing along with you it's totally totally i'm obsessed with music always have been and more so live music like if i find a song of any kind that i love i'll look up the live version of that song and always enjoy that more and so when we moved from LA to Austin we had a silly comedic band before that would play characters and barely you know I mean just it what it didn't fill the room with sound it wasn't about that it was kind of like a joke on the old talk show band right and if any of those band members are listening right now are they thrilled with you yeah no they're very funny they left quite the legacy of silliness it was very silly it was, in fact, in my professional opinion of the show, a little bit too silly. It took away from the opportunity sometimes of the bucket pulls because there was all these distractions, whether they were dentists that episode or um, uh, wizards. They were, they were always a different character. So it added an element of comedy, um, but only silliness. And, you know, I always think that the backbone of the show is the bucket pulls, the opportunity, the risk reward of anything can happen is it it could be great and it could be the worst thing ever it could be the funniest thing ever or it could be sad like we saw in the back half of that episode that we taped last night a lot of people talking about how many friends have killed themselves and things like that and you're like oh my god we are live this is going to be in the show but death is funny yeah (laughs) it's a closer Mm -hmm. it's the ultimate drop the mic it's not only the band if your name is mike (laughs) it's not only the band though i know this is my first time that i went to your show or actually even been in austin and went to the mothership the whole atmosphere in general you had someone there was someone painting i saw Mm -hmm. in the corner did you notice that no no but the whole atmosphere was just very cool and the vibe was very cool and exciting to be there just overall well the painting thing is by design because i figured we have every other type of art pretty much happening right we Mm -hmm. have stand-up improv hosting right um music uh, music there's a video technology happening podcast technology so we have all of these different and even the joke books that you give out uh, for those if there's a uh, there probably is some people that watch my podcast that 
are not aware of Kill right. Tony. Um, there are parting gifts for people to come on. For, for all intents and purposes, it is the AGT of comedy mm -hmm. without any network, without anything. Right. It is just raw. It's what the comedy store was or what comedy was in the mid 70s where people showed up and just blasted off people like freddie prince and 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 richard pryor and robin williams when you didn't have anything like that i saw i think i saw two people last night if i'm and i've been a judge of talent for a long time i think i saw two people last night that i believe will become mainstream household names mm -hmm. i really think Holding yeah. one of their rocks, I think. Yeah. This guy. Oh, there it is. That's a Cam Patterson, twenty twenty three. Who you thought it was? I want to know if you thought the same thing. If you have the same two. Oh, I'm positive. Yeah. Cam Patterson, uh -huh. who he has there, and Little Heath is an unstoppable force. At twenty one years old, already funny. I mean, who knows? I started at twenty two. How old were you when you started? Oh, twenty two also. Right. So I mean, look at it. he's already ahead, and he has such a i mean unbelievable vessel to be able to do comedy he looks like he's 10 who yes. knows how long he'll look young so he'll get to have that entire plethora plus talk about anything else that a normal uh, i think also the uh there's a chance i don't know for sure but it might even be three the lifeguard guy i knew you were gonna say that one that's uh, why i didn't know if you were gonna say he's an interesting really yeah. likable kind of weird i mean he can he can do mainstream yeah but the, the beauty of what your show is, is I saw people, like it's not like going to an amateur night or an open mic at any comedy club. It is really, there are stakes. They are given one minute, one minute to kind of just come out there and bear it all. And you see things and hear stories and their stories are raw. Yeah. Fucking raw. And they don't know what I'm gonna ask and they don't know what the answer is gonna be. And they don't know if they're gonna be able to get it out. I used to love um, a old school Howard Stern on terrestrial radio. And a big part of the reason why I dropped out of college as fast as I did, which was in like two months, was because I lived off campus and I would drive this old broken Cutlass Supreme from where I lived, where I could afford to live, to campus. And I would listen to Stern and I would literally pretend make believe like I was in this studio and the things that I would say if I was there and like even though other people were talking I would pretend like like it was like kind of crazy but the whole thing of it being improvised and um it, so and, I, and and let to to be able to, Howard Stern in the original uh, mm -hmm implication of whatever he was doing is called being a shock jock right but truthfully you would tune into that to hear things that you couldn't hear other places yeah. and by the same token saturday night live when it started in 75 yeah. everybody was running home to see what it is i feel like it's a little mainstream and obviously it is it is broadcast and even though it's late night it still seems incredibly homogenized to me yeah. and even when you go to comedy clubs now including myself, you know, you feel like you're going to be canceled and you feel like in most places, not at the mothership, you, you know, everybody has their phones up and they're recording or they're talking about what they just saw and they're texting it at, at, out of context. Mm -hmm. So it's really dangerous. The freeing spirit of your show and you, what you do and what everybody is doing here in Austin feels totally different than any other place I have ever been. This is probably the most exciting town 
we were just saying, I brought her here for the first time and she was just saying, I, I could live here. Yeah, we feel it. We talk about it almost every single night in the green room. Mondays for Kill Tony, it's a part of it. But really, when Rogan's there and we're doing just full-on stand-up shows, we're in the green room literally talking about how exciting this city is and what we found last night or today or a place for dinner or a place to see music or the river or the lake. Or, or the bats. yeah. Well, the bats are like that's like level one. It's like is Hollywood it? Highland. Like, uh, hey, I saw the I'm I saw Spider Man on uh, Hollywood and Highland. So the, the, those are not no every really. We've yeah. been really excited to see the bats. Really, we're level, yeah. we're level one. Yeah, you guys are entry level Austinites. Everyone oh, has to get in somewhere. We were running to go see a thousand bats fly away every day. At really, I'm like a fucking tourist from the Midwest. Yeah. That's what we are. Yeah, you see it once and that's pretty much it. I'd imagine though, I was in the green room last night and I'd imagine from the stories you tell, obviously I wasn't there, I wasn't born yet, but I get the sense that it feels like when you first started out and all the comics in there and everyone hanging out in the green room and it really seeming like like it's a family, yeah. a family environment. Well, yeah, we, we were all, like Austin was, we, were, we all moved to LA. Mm -hmm. So, and then we would go out to like Cantor's after and it'd be, Robin and uh, Letterman and uh, and you name it, Kinnison and me and, you know, it, it was just everybody who's anybody. You know, Pryor would hang with us and Dangerfield would hang with us and all these people. And this was the, the you know, the West Coast because it started, it was New York. Yeah. And then in the 70s, that's when The Tonight Show moved out to the, mm -hmm. the West Coast. So it was this new frontier. And I feel that that's what Austin is it right is. now. It feels, like, it feels like a pro sports team that has like an unlimited budget. Like we just got Shane Gillis and Matt McCusker to live here, who are two of by far the funniest people in the world right now. And huge, huge gets because they were two of the strongest people in their 30s in all of New York City. So like we're getting these monsters. It's like when the Miami I love that you're heat. drafting. Yeah, you're drafting is. people. People moved out. Like Rogan moved out here and mm -hmm. became the king of podcasting. And yeah. then everybody came on the Rogan ship, the mothership. Yep. He built a club. You're building a uh, a community. Yeah, you know, an artistic community. And there's something for everybody. You know, if it, if somebody likes partying, obviously there's more bars. There's bars everywhere. There's stuff like that. If someone likes chilling, there's ranches 20, 15, 20 minutes away. You sent us to a great place for dinner last night. Yes. Oh if you're God. ever in Austin, was it great? Yeah. It was really good. It was really good. That's my And place. we got in. I've never been treated like that. They go, you know, Tony Hinchcliffe. Yeah. And they treated, <laughs> I, they gave us a separate, they put us on a pedestal. Yeah. Literally, our table was in a lifted room, <laughs> was in a lifted room off the, off the, 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 the floor because I was in the, I think I was in the Tony Hinchcliffe suite. Mm -hmm. The best steak. Yes. That is where, that is the room if I have a big group of people. But normally I sneak into the bar side and have a, there's a little table that I have reserved over there and they play live music in that, in that place. So there's like. Music is big. Are you a musician? Do you play anything? Not professionally, but I goof around on everything. It's fun. Did you ever uh, want to pursue music? Not really, but I love it. And I've always tried to keep it very close to me. Like I, I goof around on Michael Gonzalez's drum set before we open doors for the show, usually for like 10 or 15 minutes. Um, I have them play whatever, a different song, different songs every week. And I try to listen to it and play along, but nothing, uh, nothing at a high level. And what about your social life here? 
You don't talk about your social life. Not really, no. You don't. But it, but it's very much fun. I'm friends with a lot of musicians. A lot of my, if, if, if it's not a comedian, 95% of my friends are musicians. The rest are crazy Texas oil entrepreneur genius freaks. There's a and, lot of those out here. And you have no trepidation about what you say, I, which I, I like that. I'm not criti criticizing you about what you say and where you go. Because even here in Austin, you had some trouble. Yeah. You know, you, you got... Yeah. They use the term cancel, but you're not canceled. Quite the opposite. Uh, I, I mean, if this is canceled, yeah. anybody should should rise to this uh, level of cancellation because people are waiting for months to get into the show. They're paying for tickets. They're paying. What is your phone ringing? No. Hello. Hello. Who's this? Hi, it's Jeff. Oh, Jeff. I'm I'm here talking to Tony. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jeff. How are you, bud? I'm so happy to talk to you guys. Heck yeah. Jeff happy Ross. Happy Tuesday. Happy whatever Tuesday. Whatever this is. Yeah, it is Did Tuesday. Did he just call down from nowhere? He just is the voice of God. <laughs> Jeff <laughs> Ross. <laughs> Jeff Ross, for those that don't know, and they would, they do know, he's a really good friend of mine. He's the Roastmaster General, and yeah. I think he was uh, instrumental in starting your career. Absolutely huge. I'm going back to theaters now myself doing them and i'm seeing the sound guys and the and the stage managers that i met 12 13 11 14 years ago with jeff who took me out on the road i think i was only doing 10 minute sets or 15 minute sets you I know jeff was my opening act really <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> wow so this is like the darwin theory of of comedy <laughs> we're right here yeah yeah this is beautiful how he pranked me when i opened for him uh, I, I was in some big theater and um, I guess there was a musical on the off nights happening and all the instruments from the orchestra were behind the curtain and Howie and his buddy Rich pulled up a giant six foot gong to the back of the curtain. Right. <laughs> Which every time you? I got a big laugh, they'd hit the gong. So only I'd hear it behind the curtain on the left. And it looked like he had a, like he had Tourette's, right? It was, you would see him, he'd do a, a punchline and then he'd do that. The audience couldn't hear it because they were roaring with laughter, but he would just do, he would just twitch at the end. So you, uh, but you took a young uh, Tony, cause I just, I just did kill Tony last night. And one of the things oh, that really stood out for me is your ability to uh, roast you know, we, we had a, a guy on and it didn't stop. It's like the, the flow. And Jeff, you know, the favorite thing I do, uh, I want, and I want to continue to do with you is your live roasts, you yeah, know, when Instagram, you, uh, uh, Insta roasts. Yeah. Jeff Ross, you got to catch it. But I watched him have a, I don't know what it's called in comedy, you know, but he just uh, like a freestyled rap roasting yeah. of the guy with the the uh yeah if you go the, see the episode with me it's it's the guy with the braids yeah the guy with the braids and he the was forks. talking about how all of his friends kept killing himself and my brain goes i gotta get i gotta juice this up we gotta we gotta get some laughs in here because he literally he got a tattoo jeff he have a mustache every time a friend killed himself and he kept showing these tattoos he's like yeah i've had a lot of friends kill themselves so i just went in on him gave him the old uh the old one two three four but Jeff, you hired him to write for the roast, the big roasts, right? On Comedy Central. Tony, when I met Tony, this is a long time ago now. Uh, he was a, a door guy at the comedy store, right, Tony? Yep. And uh, he was a little skinny, broke door guy. Broke. And uh, but he would, he was like the joke, the roast whisperer. He would, he would, he would tell me little roast jokes and. 
I mean, how did it spark initially? Do you remember exactly? I, it's it's very interesting. I was I was smoking pot with Jeff Scott, the old piano player behind uh, the comedy store. At, we were actually at the top of the parking lot belly room staircase. And I said to him, I go, you see that guy? He's like, yeah, Jeff Ross. I go, I'm going to work with him very, very soon. When he finds manifestation. out. Yeah, I go, when he finds out how good I am at making fun of people, we're going to have to work together. And then it was actually literally about an hour later, there was an opportunity. You were on the front patio and no one, you weren't being bothered by anybody. And I said, Jeff, I'm Tony. You've seen me with the Barris Brody overdrive playing air guitar or whatever. And uh, I just want to let you know that uh, if you ever need any um, extra roast jokes for anything whatsoever, I'm super super down and really really good at it and i think we could really really help each other out something to that effect wow and i was like yes tony i really admired your air guitar <laughs> <laughs> but no i remember you told me that and the, the, yeah that tony we wound up writing on uh comedy central's the burn and a lot of the roasts and side mm -hmm. projects and we became uh writing cohorts all the time and eventually uh, we took our show on the road up to Canada. We did a, a, a nationwide tour of America and of Canada. And, oh, you want to hear a fun story, Howie, that no one knows about Tony? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't want to embarrass know? him, but okay. um, we were we were up in Canada. We were probably, what were they, how long was that tour, Tony? Three weeks? Two at weeks? At three least, weeks? yeah, the Jeff Ross Rose America tour. In Canada. Yeah. Yeah. In Canada. <laughs> in Canada. So he'll like this. So we had this stop, um, I forgot, was it in Ottawa? Wherever they had this great Jewish deli. Uh, I don't even think it's there anymore, but there was this really great smoked meat joint on one of the stops. Toronto we and Montreal to, are the kings of Toronto. Yeah, that's where I'm from. And what, do we, we went there two days in a row. Do you remember this, Tony? Kind of. That's a no. And yes, you remember, because we I was turning him on to Jewish soul food. Oh, and yeah. uh yeah. We were eating more and more, and yes. Tony, after a few weeks on the road with me, uh, had a new nickname. What was it, Tony? He's Fat Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Fat Tony, little skinny Tony from the yeah. door was now, like, catching up to, like, normal human race. I yeah. was, like, getting fatter and fatter, just, you know, a pound every couple weeks, you know, as my, we were. And it got to a point where, go ahead, go ahead, Tony. Yeah, my body did not know what to do with it. it my right. body was used to one course of really one meal a day. Right. And Jeff <clears throat> was having appetizers, soup, a salad course, the main course, <laughs> and then he has dessert. <laughs> like my son. <laughs> yes, he's saying yes. Go ahead. Yeah. And that's and it? Then, so, so it got to a point where, um, you know, Fat Tony was was becoming a reality, and we were on stage. I guess it was in Toronto, um, uh, the Queen Vic Mary, the Queen Victoria, Queen one Elizabeth, of those fancy theaters, Queen up Elizabeth there. Theater, the QET, and, uh, and um, the top button on Tony's jeans in the middle of his act. <laughs> he's opening for me. It it the top button explodes and like pops off. Flies into the front row, <laughs> hits a lady in like the cornea, and, and, you and she's someone? like, "What the hell is going on here?" And like Tony, like you know, wasn't sure what had happened at first, and then she like pulls his Levi's jeans button out of her 
eye socket, basically. <laughs> her boyfriend's freaking out, right? We have to stop the show. The Is ushers come over. The lights come on. We take an intermission. The lady's like, you know, like flipping the hell out. And uh, I come out to see what's going on. It disrupts, obviously, the flow of my big entrance. We take the lady and her boyfriend backstage. She's young. She's hot. The boyfriend's getting all, like, weird about, you know, that me and Tony are taking care of her. And they wind up having a fight. And he leaves her there. What? So Tony sit. Yeah, the boyfriend leaves. He wants to take her to the emergency room. She doesn't want to miss my set. So she stays and she sits with Tony on the side of the stage mm -hmm. and they watch my entire set. And when I finally come off stage, she has an ice pack on her eye and she's making out with Tony. No, yeah. no, no. Yep. That Tony works for you. And That's right. She was, you know, uh, she winds up coming with us to the next stop on the tour. Her eyes no. are filling up. No. And, uh, and uh, you know, she was Canadian. How did you forget so this fucking story? America with us. So uh, Tony got a quickie wedding with her. Um, I co-signed yep. her three adopted uh, children and uh, now Tony lives in Austin with his blind wife and three kids. Yep, yep, it's all true. <laughs> oh my god, that's the best story. That's the best story. That's how you met your. I didn't find that on the internet. You're very private. Yeah, very private. When they talk about popping the question, yeah, that's yeah, the that's really it, pop, <laughs> yep. popping. Yep. Wait, from the because I've been at the Queen Elizabeth. I played the Queen Elizabeth Theater for mm -hmm. that button. To actually cause an eye to... It yeah. has to really get some speed, like go far. It, it was, you know what, it became where Tony didn't want just the pastrami sandwich. He wanted to taste the smoked meat, the pastrami, the corned beef, the lakas. So, yep. yeah, you're going to pop some buttons when that yeah. happens. Yeah, that's a great story. I also had yeah. the uh, corned beef of the... Um, Woman? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you the poked her in the eye and down below. Big fancy <laughs> podcast, a big mansion in Austin yeah. where his kids run around. Yeah. They're all fat. Yeah, little, little fat kids <laughs> running around. Fat, Tony's fat. <laughs> they, that girl lucked out. Mm -hmm. She really did. And we're, and uh, this is that's an amazing story. Thank you, Jeff. Thank yeah, you no, for sharing. It's exclusive for your podcast, Thank Jackie. You. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Bye, Jeff. I, I love you. Love you, Jeff. I love you guys. Tony, take care of Howie down there. I love you guys. I'm so jealous. I'm not hanging with you guys, but I'm glad you called. Hell yeah. We'll see you soon, pal. Love you, man. All right. Love <laughs> you guys. So fun. There's been rumors. You're married. You're not married. And how did you meet your wife? I was that married. That makes sense. You the, were married? The actual story of my marriage is actually kind of wilder than that. I, uh, wilder than eating Jew food till you poke somebody in the eye. Well, yeah, that is. You're right. That is a little tough. But no, my actual marriage was a uh, was short lived, but very much fun. It was uh, a beautiful, very cool Australian girl that uh, I met just like I would meet anybody. And uh, at the comedy store back in the day, at the front bar, and um, she was super funny and super cool and we're still friends to this day, but we went to, uh, she's like, Oh my, I have to go back to Australia because I've been in America for a certain amount of months Green card. and I'm like, screw that. Let's go to Vegas. I'm like, I have nothing to lose. Turns out she's the heiress of a, you know, long story short, billion dollar tire empire in Australia. So I'm like, this is great. What do I have to lose? I'm going to marry her and she's not going to take my money. She's fully loaded so this is a win-win situation that's all i had to 
lose was any money or future money. And sure enough, it worked out perfectly. Wait. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wait, isn't it your ex? Yeah, it's my ex-wife. Who has an ex-wife and says it, it worked, worked out, out perfectly? perfectly. It, I'm telling you. The divorce you, this worked was in your favor is what you mean? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. It was amazing. We had a good run. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I know. It is. Everyone that knows us knows it was like the coolest uh, beginning to end. Like she, it was like. Does she say it works out? Per, it worked 100%. out perfectly? 100%. I was just in San Diego two weeks ago and her and her new boyfriend and our old dog all came to my show. Sat they're not one in the same. Side stage. No, they're all different entities. Okay. Yeah. And, and uh, we had a blast. We're all super cool. She has, she's like the funniest, coolest chick ever. So are you cool with it? And if you don't want to talk about it, we won't, but are you cool with your family? I know you were raised by a single mother, right? Yep. Single mom. And uh, my dad wasn't in the picture, but now we're all cool. We just went back there. I just did Youngstown Wait, a few weeks ago. Yeah. So your mom's got to be proud. I mean, she, oh, yeah. you, you grew up, it wasn't an easy upbringing. It was wild. Yeah. It was a wild upbringing. Toughest and neighborhood in the toughest city at the time was the murder capital of America per capita, which is, which counts for a lot. And little Tony. Yep. Was an insulter. Yeah. That was my defense mechanism. If, if any trouble. Were you coming. ever, did you ever come close to getting killed? Um, I almost drowned in Lake Erie, but no, I never almost got killed by a, a, a by a bad guy. Just in a swimming accident. Yes. Okay. <laughs> no I one got, was holding I your head underwater. taken out way out in right. Lake Erie by a, uh, whatchamacallit. Uh, current. Yes. Yes. And you only had one floaty. I didn't even have that. Wow. And, and none of my family saved me. Some random person. It was like an empty beach by the way with some random person it was very like phil collins type of wait and your family situation. saw this happening they were i floated away from them it was my sister i was with my sister who has a kid that's my age my mom and my sister were pregnant at the same time my mom had me when she was 38 and uh she had a kid when she was 18 so what's the math on that my 20 sister, right 20 years so, yeah so um so my sister took me and my niece, who's the same age as me, to the lake, and I floated away from them, and they weren't even paying attention. So wow! I almost drowned once. And and uh, so you have a you have a sister. How many siblings are you? <clears throat> All together, uh, three brothers and three sisters. Nobody else in the business. In the show comedy? business? No, not at all. They gotta be proud though. Are you close? So or no? proud. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's insane. Because I'm not related to you and I'm proud of you. Thank you. Just seeing what you've done and what you've built. And this is uh, for those again that don't know, you started the comedy store. You started in the belly room. I heard you also say last night, I didn't know this specifically, but there was like 14 people, you know, yeah. in your first ones, you'd have 14. Belly room is this little godforsaken hovel up in the top of the comedy store yeah. where uh, comedy goes to die sometimes totally and you know you kept begging to be in the main room and they yeah. they fought you on that yeah big and time they fought you on that and then you showed up in the main room they finally after a year or two of waiting yeah and you were the only one that was doing the kind of business and selling that fucker right. out right. every fucking night every every night right but they didn't they didn't see that coming so like your family, you know, you, you're this, this kid. And I think, I believe in manifestation. You know, you talked about seeing Jeff Ross and you go, oh, I'm going to work with him. Yep. And you worked with him. Oh yeah. You know, and you were doing, those are big time TV shows and all those roasts. Mm -hmm. And you were on the road with him and playing big theaters and eating Jew food. Yeah. You were, <laughs> it was amazing. Jew food. Oh God. Yes. I had no idea. I didn't really know about like courses. I didn't know like there was like, levels to it 
that's not a Jew thing. Kind of. I mean, yeah, Italians do like kind of a salad, but everybody in my family always skipped the salad because my mom's sauce was, and you know. The, Wait, are you Italian? Yeah. Hinchcliffe. No, I thought well, Italians do more food than Jews. Yeah. Kind and, of. And courses, the antipasta, the. Like yeah. when I watch Jersey Shore, it's all about the food. I right. Yeah. Well, in a single mom household, and all my brothers and sisters are much older than me. My closest sibling is 12 years older than me. So by the time I was five, they were all at Ohio State. And like it was just me and my crazy mom. So Why like, is she crazy? Oh, I mean, all four of my older brothers and sisters from her side have degrees in psychology from the Ohio State University. So that should tell you, like, everyone in my family was trying to figure out how what how to fix a wild person. What was the wildest thing that you could remember that she well, did? Well, you know, she got hit by a car when I was, like, one. And she got T-boned by a, someone that had just stolen a car. And the car rolled eight times. She wasn't supposed to, like, survive. And she... it like really messed up her spinal cord but not enough that she needed surgery right away but, but bad pills. enough that it was degenerative that too but mostly she she got stuck like laying in bed kind of not getting sunlight not moving around much and just kind of and uh it all just added up i think a whole lifetime of you know i don't know she was depressed is she still with us yeah she's great she's completely like fixed is she still in ohio yeah Wow. Yep. Great and sense of humor. She's been on Kill Tony. I, I wrote her a minute for the, um, I think, five-year anniversary. She's going to come to your, uh, he's playing, you know, the arena here. New I didn't Year. know that. Yeah, he played the, the arena on New Year's. This will come out after New Year's. So he played the arena, mm -hmm. two sold-out shows. Yeah, the 30th and the 31st. And, yeah, I think she's going to be here, yeah. She's a special treat on Kill Tony uh, folklore. She was also a guest once, a solo uh like me. Yes. Yeah. Like me. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, Joy Hinchcliffe. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to Google her right now. I should have yeah. done that before I talked to you. Yeah. Do you and feel like you're kind of giving back to other comics and giving them an opportunity to get out there and huge? Yeah. Definitely. Sure. Yeah. It's a big part of everything, you know, coming up at the store and being a worshiper of Mitzi Shore, by the way, like I would like try to find her in books and stuff. It all really started for me. I was always a Letterman guy. I was obviously a Stern guy, like I said. Everything that you, Jim Carrey, like when the more that I grew up, the more I realized that everything that I loved, truly loved as a child were these guys that were in one building at one time or different times. And I'm like, wait, what? And then when I realized, this one's big, when I realized that you didn't have to like, pay that college you needed tens of thousands of dollars for and comedy you just do it for free there's a thing called an open mic where it doesn't cost anything and you can get better at something that seems fun as hell like it was a no-brainer for me and um well you know that's my philosophy i don't believe in college yeah i believe in unless you have a passion for something you know if you want to be an engineer or you want to be like your right. siblings and figure out your fucked up mother. Right. Then you got to go to school for that. But right. if you have a passion or art or whatever, or business or being entrepreneurial or just starting something or figuring it out or doing comedy or being a pain, why do you go to school? There yeah. are now, and people take advantage, I believe, that maybe there's some good places, but people go to school for stand-up comedy, which I also don't. I don't believe in that at all. Me either. I like this. We're on the same page. Yeah. So when I found out, and another thing that happened really between eighth grade and freshman year is when Man on the Moon came out. And uh, 
I was going to I was excited to see that because at the time Jim Carrey's goofiness and silliness still had my interest big time and so I went and saw it and it was this more serious movie and at the beginning of that Andy Kaufman he's playing Andy Kaufman and he's at the improv and the guy goes I don't think I can afford to pay you anymore Andy and it was right then where I realized like wait a second you can get paid to be in a room with a microphone and entertain people like what I remember it hitting me like a ton of bricks like wait that no way that that's possible that seems way too good to be true because again Youngstown Working class town, crime everywhere, this and that. Either you're going to work in a steel mill or you're going to be a welder or you're going to, you got to go to college and be a doctor, which was never, you know, I hated school. So in that scene in Man on the Moon, um, I'm like, what the fuck? And then it ends with Andy or uh, Tony Clifton performing at the Comedy Store main room. And I see, saw those red neons and the red stage, which I had seen glimpses of and things before on HBO or here or there on the old, uh, what was that you guys used to do, the comic relief or whatever? Yeah. And I would see glimpses of this mysterious, cool-looking black and red building. So then by the time that... Um, by the time that I got to the store, I mean, I was just mesmerized. And I believe that the more you put the building and Mitzi Shore on a pedestal, the more you get out of it. You know? Well, I think that that's, that's what manifestation is. The fact that you, you know, it's like meditating. If you're going to focus on a number, you have a mantra. I think the fact that you are so focused on the comedy store yeah. and Mitzi and what that meant and what it is, you're kind of... Uh, you're manifesting that for yourself because you are creating being part of creating what is happening here in Austin in in podcasting in the mothership in being able to launch I, I just think that that's your that's your mantra because the truth of the matter is people say to me like if you had to make it today you know you had to go to the comedy store that was yeah. the only place to be seen if you were to a kid in Youngstown like you were, I mean, and, and, and you did, that was the only one place. The truth of the matter is that you can, you can, we all have technology at our hands. You know, I could sit in a hotel room right now in Austin and broadcast this and make a moment. I couldn't do that in 1978. I, I couldn't do it in 1985. Right. So there isn't one place, but the idea is, and what you're kind of insinuating it's it's about focus yeah. find that whatever it is that you want to focus and go toward that light and yeah. if that light if that image is a building and a person and people then you got to do it and you are probably one of the most focused like one of the things you said to me last night was i've been doing this for 10 and a half years you've never missed one monday right there hasn't been if it, you can download a new episode of kill T tony every Monday, yep. wherever you get your podcasts. But to, to be doing something for 10 and a half years and not missing once, right. how many days of school did you miss? Oh my goodness. Right. As so, many as I was allowed and then a couple more. And work, and, and, yeah. and just the average person listening misses nobody. Right. But when you find something that means something to you, yeah. regardless of how, and this is for, I'm, I would imagine for the first year and a half, for the first five years, it wasn't as, um, I think it was as equally as satisfying for you, but it wasn't a huge success yet. Right. Yet it was a success. For me, success is finding your path yeah. and staying on your path. You know, the, yeah. your, your story that you're telling is kind of like a Tony Robbins story. It yeah. is because even that story you told about Jeff, mm -hmm. 
and then and then it seems like everything is coming in you are this this gravitational pull to great talent great ideas and great you said like you grew up with a single mother your father's back in your life i didn't know that. yeah it's very very interesting but yeah yeah he's a old he had a he had a whole nother side family old school italian and that was back in the day and you know they have their wives and then you had your like woman on the side back was, then. that was your mother that was my mother but my mother was done with her husband who was hinchcliffe if i had my dad's last name i'd be tony marsco so there, there, now you see how Italian so I really am. <laughs> oh, wait. So who have you reconnected with, the Hinchcliffe or the Marsco? Well, my mom was a Hinchcliffe, and she had four kids that were Hinchcliffs. They're all from a different dad, and my I'm the only one that ever came out of my mom and my actual dad. Oh. That's why I came much later. That's why he wasn't part of my life, because he was raising his actual family. Do they know that you're the side piece? Now they do. Wait, just from this podcast? <laughs> I know, no, only recently. Wait, so did your dad also have, do you have other siblings from your... The Marsco witches. Yes, the Marscos. The Marscos. Do you yeah. have a relationship with them? Yeah, now I do. Yeah, not much, but it's been fun. There's little things where you can like see like glimpses of how we're related, even though we... They love the name of your show. Yes. Because they feel that way. Yeah, they used to. Yeah, the, the one really, the brother doesn't really communicate with me. It's interesting. He's kind of like got old school pent up uh, anger. About he wants it. to kill Tony. I think he might. I think he might. Wow. But it's not you. It's Pardon not me? your bad. What did you do? I know. That's how I feel about it. But I don't, yeah. trust me, I don't sweat it, but. Well, this is, you got such an interesting life. It is have weird. You, I, did you, I did want to ask, there's a lot of similarities that I hear about your story, but everything I heard from his story is that the comics that were together at that time had a lot of animosity towards each other and they were, they were very um, competitive. It doesn't seem like, it seems like in Austin, there's a lot of camaraderie between the comics and you yeah. guys have each other's back. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I guess a boys club. I don't, there might be females in it, but that you guys have each other's back and support each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. And there's the, some of the strongest females. We got Roseanne Barr to move here who lives 30 minutes away and her stand up when she's in the zone, there's nobody stronger when she, when the, when the, when the lithium and the monostat or whatever she's on, is it, is it the perfect crisp? There's literally not you know a strong, you know what monostat I, I, is? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's for yeast infections. Well, yes, whatever, yeah, whatever the she, different things that she's on. At when she's any got her point. yeast under control. Yeah. She's well, good. Which, um, yeah. Who knows what kind of cocktail that lady's on at any given point. <laughs> right. But if she's in the right the absolute right place, half a scotch, ha a quarter of a blunt, whatever it takes. Cause she's, Right. You know, she's a, she's a chemical anomaly. Right. And, but I mean, literally she just hits a groove and there's no one cooler, no one funnier. And there's her, Whitney comes all the time and we have a bunch of, uh, you know, fantastic people in the, um, you know, the farm system coming up as door guys and door girls. And I, I there's no competitiveness that. amongst anyone that you've seen. Oh, well, it's all, we're all trying to, you know, everybody's trying to be the best but uh, you know what but it would there were there seems to be and and i agree with her there seems to be and i love it more camaraderie mm -hmm. more um sharing it, it's also by virtue of what the culture is and even in yeah. music you know when when i was coming up you know on, in music you would buy somebody's album 
Now, when you listen to somebody's song, there's featured acts. By the same token, when you go to an arena to see like Chappelle, you'll see like five other comics. Mm -hmm. You go see you, you're bringing out, uh, you know, when I go see you on New Year's, there are so many surprises that they don't, there was, that was kind of unheard of in my day coming up. You know, if you had a concert, you had a concert. You didn't want to really share the stage with five other headliners. Whereas on any given night, if you go see Tony or Kill Tony or even the guests on Kill Tony, there is like headliner by beside headliner, beside headliner, that wasn't done. But I think that's the It's also part of Rogan's mentality. I mean, he's really the one, he started this where he would take the most intense killers and put them right in front of him joey diaz uh when i started working uh with joe it was joey diaz and ari shafir who were i mean and are freaks the last things pretty much you'll want to go up after are these guys smashing just filthy and aggressive comedy to where your mind is just blown and joe's thing is blow their minds, give them their money's worth before you even hit the stage. And then you have to follow it. So you're getting better, even though it's your show. The trick, the thing that we talk about a lot, I think a trap that a lot of successful, really successful stand-ups get in is they want to be the star of their show. They want to be the best person on you, but they paid for a ticket for me. I'm not going to bury myself. And meanwhile, you can have it all. You can grow while thriving, you know? So well, that's a different, I think that's what you were alluding to. That's a very different philosophy yeah. than the, than in the seventies. But, and I yeah. think that philosophy, you know, bleeds onto, uh, you know, music yeah. and, you know, but just it's art. all of us. When I do my, uh, theater tour that I'm doing right now, um, and they have no idea who's going to come, who's going to come out and be on the show. But the first thing that they see, if he, if it's, available is William Montgomery comes out and does 15 minutes your closer which to them your closer on yeah. Kill Tony. so like to them it's like going to uh Lorne Michaels show and seeing Chris Farley or going to a Vince McMahon show and seeing Hulk Hogan first right. you know and then again this is actually a philosophy that I learned from Vince McMahon is because he would start Monday Night Raws or pay-per-views with a bang. You wouldn't know the order of events, but it would s- surprise you the start. You'd be like, wow, why is the guy that I was thinking was going to headline this thing or main event, be, why is he coming out now? Here we go. The show has started. So, like, I really believe in that, like, starting things with a bang. And, like, you know, he kills so hard. These people watch William every single week for over five years doing a minute of stand-up independently and then an eight-minute interview of just chaos he's being hilarious and people get famous off of what doing one hour special once every three or five years and here he is doing eight minutes a week eight minutes times 52 so that's basically like eight one-hour specials per year and I mean, it's they, they're so connected to him that he can do anything, not to mention his best possible set that we're constantly talking about and thinking about how to make it better, how to move this around or this or that, because we talk about it a lot. I like to run, you know, Kill Tony kind of like a college football program. You know, growth is kind of as corny as this sounds, and I know here we are talking about comedy and the numbers and this and that, but it's like, you know, I really believe in making things even better. How do we, yes, we destroyed. Oh my God, everybody was so happy. Best show ever, blah, blah, blah. But how do we make it 
a little bit better. That's, you know, it's funny that you should say that because that's what, I don't think anybody who knows me or has followed me as a comedian um, would ever equate, equate anything that I do with Richard Pryor. But Richard Pryor was the first person that I ever saw live on stage um, purposely, not purposely, he was working. I watched him work it and I watched him figure it out. And, you know, he could have, he had, by the time he was at the comedy store, he had been doing stand-up. He had bits that were killer bits. He had his fame, which was, he could have skated on. But he needed to find that line. He needed to cross that line to kind of hear. And that's why, you know, we talked about this a bit last night. Political correctness kind of ruins comedy because it's like saying it, it, comedy is an art form and it's like painting and it's like saying you can't use that color anymore to shade you know say black is the is the line you know like as a color and and so you can't use black but try to paint you know a night scene right. well how do i paint the night scene without knowing but i i gotta tell you that i used to watch him he'd have the audience in hysterics and then he'd say one more thing which was real and they'd go and they would and this is the 70s you know it, it probably would seem tame today, but they would go, holy fuck, you can't say that. Nobody says that. Right. And then, and then, but he needed that. Yeah. And then he'd come back the next night, and he'd go almost as far, and he'd find that, but you gotta work it, yeah. and you gotta make it better. And I find that today, and I'm speaking even for myself, you know, I, I, if I can critique myself, I live in too much fear. And that's why being here in Austin has been a little bit, it, it, you know, I can loosen that a little bit. Yeah. I love being on AGT. I love uh, producing Deal or No Deal. I love doing my podcast. I love, I'm, I'm so afraid that I'm gonna, because uh, I'm so old school, that I would piss somebody off and they would, uh, you know, fire me. Right. You know, and you've been canceled even here. Did yeah. that bother you? I know that the age. I'm with your age. I'm with. I'm with your old agent. I'm with WME. Oh, you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they wish they were my new agent too. Now. Yeah. They've been chomping at the bit. Hey, Tony. You know, we'd love to. You know, that wasn't. It, that came from above. That wasn't us. We'd love to. Really? Are they could, coming uh, back? They. They wish. Well, now I'm with the head of UTA. Yes. Right. Right. Their worst nightmare. So it's fun. Uh, I know. <laughs> so for those it's, that don't know, yeah. you got in some to is some controversy and the agency just. Yeah. Sep uh, well, they created their own news cycle is what they did. Unfortunately, you know, the story was dying out. I made fun of an Asian comedian during an actual stand up comedy show where recording wasn't allowed and uh, it was taken out of context. And the comedian tried to get famous off of that. It was uh, it was Asian Heritage Month and you weren't allowed to make fun of Asians. And at the time, the media was saying that Asians were being attacked uh, by people. This was, you know, COVID uh, uh, towards the end of COVID. Um, and the storyline from the media is that they were being blamed for this from crazy people. So anyway, I do jokes as I do. And, um, you know, when it's Asian Heritage Month and they're under uh, the spotlight in the news, that's when I do go for it. Right. right now, I'm doing Israel and Palestine jokes that, yes, if a lot of people saw them, they would clip it and put it on the Internet and go, can you believe what this guy's saying? But if you're not a comedy fan and you're not in the room specifically and you didn't see what happened before that, 
Of course. Of course things can be taken out. But of I context. always say, okay, go ahead. Yep. Like, that'd, that'd be on me. But, oh yeah. And um, so, yeah. So when that happened, um, you know, it was a giant, giant news story, which yeah. is absolutely crazy to me that anything that happens at a, a cement comedy club, the temporary holding tank that was the Vulcan gas company, I mean, a dinky little, and there's not even like separators between the bathroom stalls or anything. Like it was just a, it was literally a shit show. And, uh, um, you know, this was the news and WME, uh, dropped me and it was their own news story. You know, they pay, it was a virtue signaling time in history for a lot of big companies and things. And I don't think it's quite like that. And right now I've seen the temperature kind of change, but right then it was the extreme virtue. Did you, time. did you panic? Oh, it was a horrendous three days. It was, it was very bizarre. I could see how it could turn out great, but you still are like, wait, what? It was then that really, you know, I leaned all the way into the freedom of Texas because it's like, even though it happened here, which is crazy because I was doing crazy jokes in LA for 16 years before moving here, um, the city embraced me. And like when I went up four or five days after that incident for the first time ever, the boom was crazier than ever. And I'm like, oh, okay. I just don't think you can get canceled for a joke. And trust me, WME wishes they didn't do that. But well, go ahead. so your number one, your number one goal though is always going to be comedy. Like if you are offered, let's say, an AGT, where then you do have to temper what you're allowed to say because you work for the man, would you ever take that kind of gig? Because it would then probably stifle you. Um yeah, I mean, uh, it depends on what I could get away with and what the time is and what the temperature is then, you know what I mean? But I think it would be hard for me to pull that off, but things are challenges, you know, that's always exciting, but yeah, it would be... But you're a responsible podcaster, who right. know, a broadcaster, which who knows right. who the audience is. Yes, Exactly. The the truth of the matter is, though, and I've always talked about this ad nauseum, is comedy does, you know, you, what people don't realize is that even as I've said this so many times, but if, if you go to the, if you go, are you leaving, Kyle? Is Kyle leaving? Kyle's got to pee. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> if, uh, if you, la if you're a little kid and you laugh at a clown falling down at the circus, what are you laughing at? You're laughing at somebody, a stranger's um pain pain yeah it's always it's always as, as innocent as that is it's always something bad that happens mm -hmm. and whether it's about a war that's going on now or whether it's about if it's really done in the vein of comedy it, there used to be when i was younger if you said something that was offensive or too soon you'd go i was joking and they would go oh okay because it's a joke right i wasn't i wasn't trying to hurt you I wasn't trying, I was trying to entertain you. Maybe I, it was in bad taste. Maybe you didn't get it, but it was a joke. And they go, okay, I, as long as you're joking. And now the, the, the dials have turned up that joking is something that people are getting. But at the same token, you and others and this community is getting applauded for it because I felt like even the audience that Kill Tony, they understand comedy. Right. There was nothing that you could say that, that you could say things that they wouldn't laugh at because they didn't think it was funny. Yeah. But that's, that's the purest place to work. 
to figure it out, to become better. Yeah. You know, I've noticed that anyone who gets canceled for a joke, in trouble for a joke, uh, if they're funny, it accelerates their career a hundredfold. This happened to Shane Gillis. Yeah, with Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and you look at that mistake. You know, I mean, Shane Gillis got seen. You know, I'm a partner in a, in a festival called JFL. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm one of the... Mm -hmm. So that's where he got seen at New Faces and hired for yeah. Saturday Night Live. Yeah. But now he's bigger than Saturday Night Live would have ever made him. Exactly. In fact, he might be bigger than Saturday Night Live, period. He might have I more think, people watching him and paying him and, and, and seeing him live and everything than the entire show's cast i don't think there's anybody there i think if you combine the entire cast and looked at their ticket sales i don't think they are anywhere near what he's doing i mean he's an absolute monster and more importantly he's one of the best so if you try to if they try same thing happened with ari shafir another great comedian um who just put out one of the best hour specials uh, we had him on in a in like a decade jew jew yep it's I've amazing seen, yeah it is amazing it's so brilliant and yep. so smart mm-hmm and um, these people are thriving, including myself. If, if it's not right, if it's for a joke, you're only going to help the person. And during the, the few days, like I said, yeah, I was stressed then because I didn't see it so clearly. But meanwhile, those guys are all calling me. Shane's calling me saying, don't apologize. It's going to be all right. Ari's calling me going, whatever you do, don't apologize. Everything's going to be fine. And all these other people are calling me going, are you going to apologize? Are you going to make a video? Are you going to write a statement? Are you going to have your agent write a statement? Are you going to make a video where you explain what happened? Are you going to write a thing where you explain what happened? And I'm taking in all this information from all these different people. And I mean, a lot of them aren't Ari and Shane. And by the way, Ari and Shane really blew up kind of after my thing. They were getting bigger, but their wild success hadn't happened yet. But what they kept saying is what stuck with me, which is say nothing. If you explain what happened, then what the hell are we talking about here? You're explaining a joke. And if you apologize, for a joke, which was the farthest, which was the last thing that I wanted to do. And each one of my wildly successful friends that were recommending that, I was listening to them. I was taking in the information. I wasn't saying, no, I'm not going to do that. But I was saying, you know, I was asking questions and trying to figure it out. But it was never an option. I mean, as corny as it sounds, but like apologizing for a joke in my world, I think that would have canceled me to my base, to the people that watch Kill Tony, to the, the, that have seen me do a billion worse things on Mondays and everyone laughs and we move on. Seven seconds later, there's another joke. So what are you offended about something back then? You want to pause and rewind and watch it again, you know? And also, uh, you know, uh, an apology is, you didn't do any, it, the context is comedy. Yeah. The context is to make people happy is to yeah. laugh yeah. and we all have different tastes in music and yeah. art in paintings in, yeah. in if you at the worst case scenario somebody doesn't get it yeah. doesn't like it doesn't respond to it but when you apologize for it you're amplifying the the people who believe it's a mistake mm -hmm. which i don't believe there is in comedy mm -hmm. um but the people who believe it's a mistake, you are amplifying their thought. And, you know, the, 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 yes, it's a mistake. It has to be a mistake because he's apologizing. If he's apologizing, I was right. right. He did something wrong. 
Whereas I don't like it. Uh, you could be offended by it. You can, th that's all okay. And by the same token, even with me on AGT, I understand I will do, I, I do things that are wrong that I have to apologize for and they make me, but I've taken the, I'm taking the check. Yeah. And I like, I get, you know, I weigh the odds. I love AGT and I love seeing in the way, and I felt it on Kill Tony, seeing these people come out who just want to, you know, they're following their dream. They're really going for something. This is serious. I mean, as funny as Kill Tony is, yeah. and as weird, I really saw that there was such gravitas and heart in these young people just coming out and giving it a shot yeah. and hoping and, and meeting, you know, uh, Cam and, and everybody mm -hmm. and seeing their lives and, and uh, uh, Aaron, yeah. you know, watching their lives change. Dreams do come true. Mm -hmm. As corny as that is and as yep. weird as that is, you feel it in the room. And when you're standing this close, and I get that from AGT, when I'm yeah. in the room and these people come out and they've been dreaming of doing it. So I want to continue to be in that room. Yeah. So I do apologize for things that I don't think I should and out of the, right. you know, and things do come out. I've always put it this way. And this hit me during the three days where the news was talking about me and a racist tirade from a comedian or whatever, however they labeled it during a comedy show from a roast comedian to a comedian that I knew. Granted, they, you know, tried to betray me and like get famous from an incident. But I always said, if it was, if I said what I said to that comedian to an Uber driver, and that video came out of me going da 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 da, right? That I would apologize for. That would be me losing my temper and my mind for a second and doing that. So what would I do? The same thing that I did for real life for something that I did at a comedy show? Does this make sense? Have you talked to that com comic since? No, I tried to talk to him immediately. You know, and he kept doing news things and media things saying Tony hasn't tried to apologize. Tony hasn't reached. He's just lying through his teeth. Literally, I have messages, you know, and me reaching out to other friends that I knew knew him because I literally want to be like, dude, what are you doing? This is crazy. Like, I've taken you on the road to open for me before. Like, what is happening? It, it's a very weird situation. It was a, a very, very interesting one because he had no real reason to do that. And in my my little bit of a conspiracy theorist opinion, I think it uh, I think he was perhaps motivated to do it by perhaps Notoriety. exterior forces. Who knows? Oh, yeah. But maybe international exterior forces, if that makes sense. Based on anything or this is purely conspiracy theory no pretty much based on um well what's in here we go <laughs> so what's interesting is that i woke up very early that morning to a bunch of misspelled tweets and things like that and i didn't know what was going on and uh long story short i end up trying to fish around to see where these hundreds of very weird tweets that are directly at me you know that say like you fuck fuck suck you shit of peace basically like Nietzsche earlier like all of these i'm like what is this per what are they, what is going Nietzsche. on here right Nietzsche. Yeah. 
So I reverse search and I end up finding um, articles in Chinese that uh, that that <laughs> that said that a comedian made fun of another comedian, uh, made fun of a Chinese comedian, and um, the Chinese comedian was offended and tweeted that he was offended at what the comedian said. And I had to go through like Google Translate and everything. And again, this is at like five in the morning and they're talking about this tweet that hadn't happened yet, literally. So a few hours later, the tweet happens and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is really happening. So right then I started trying to reach out to him because I could see like something was up because it made the news in China before it happened here. Does this make sense? Yeah. So yeah. it's not really a conspiracy at all. It's just such a big deal that I don't want to make a big deal about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is crazy. And there's no way that, like, he doesn't have another Twitter or X or whatever, like, a separate one in... Well, here's another interesting thing is that technically... I guess in China, you're not really allowed to be on Twitter. Or you're not allowed to say things on Twitter unless mm -hmm. it's for like a purpose. So all those accounts had zero followers, zero tweets, all these things. And so it was, bots. But Chinese names and Chinese this. And, you know, it was very blatantly like a. Wow. Yeah. It was like a coordinated attack. But that's scarier. Yeah, I know. That's not getting canceled. That's getting targeted internationally. But that's crazy yeah. that you, if it is true, that <laughs> you can be canceled because just like another entity or somewhere from another country decides that you are going to be the subject of cancellation. 100%. Like what, what would be the reason for that? Well, that's, what, like, the, let, that's let, kind of like a modern day, well... Again, and I don't know what we're going to leave in this mamma jamma, but now, <laughs> now we're talking. But what's interesting is that at the time, yeah. they were being blamed for COVID. They're being blamed for a lot of humanitarian things that perhaps are going on in a place as powerful as China. And I mean, obviously, ridiculously powerful. We're taught in history books and whatnot that we're number one and this and that you know but we're you know they make everything they do a lot anyway so i think it was a full out um you know in today's modern world the media and what people think especially on the internet where twitter makes the story you know s stories now start and on twitter and pop culture yeah. is an easier way to hit yes than fake news right so if they did, if they made me look like that, then they look like a victim. And being the victim, especially in May of 2021, was like all the, all the, all rage. the rage. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think it, you know, so I was part of that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a. Yeah. That's really interesting. I know. I know. And I'm always like, can I leave it in? I think so. Yoni, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I'm not going to edit this. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's really fucking interesting. Yeah. Scary. But it's scary even in the Are context of everything. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I avoid not? TikTok. But it's scary in the context of like literally everything in life right now and social media in general and how we could be fed different things and algorithms and bots. And I feel like it's kind of a mind fuck and control. You're a hundred percent correct. And, uh, you know, with that, it's like, 
if something gets 5,000 likes and 6,000 likes within hours, seven, eight, nine, and this tweet was going ballistic because it, it, it had worldwide traction. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what journalists are looking for now. That is the new news. It's not go find a story. It's not let's listen to the why or whatever they used to do back in the day. It is literally, okay, this thing's picking up steam on Twitter. This is a news story. That's still the world we live in now. It's so weird. It used to be I get my news from Twitter. Well, now the news gets their news from Twitter. You know what I mean? I do. So if something's blowing up and they don't know, here's the interesting thing. If something's blowing up on Twitter, they don't know where that blowing up is coming from. So bots, humans working, humans being told what to do, getting an alert on their thing, which we have no idea what's going on over there, you know, so what type of system or whatever they could be using. But I mean, it was hundreds of tweets a minute, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of I'm going to kill you, you're going to die. It kind of cracks me up when I hear someone get a death threat. Oh, it's, I got a death threat. It's like, you have no idea what I went through during that. I mean, it was literally thousands of them. Um. I mean, but you're I, here to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Is and that why you're it. primarily off of, you're not off. I know you have social media, but you don't really post anything no, like that's yeah. too personal. I keep a very low profile. The yeah. fact that we even talked about how I like <laughs> is the one thing that I'm most concerned yeah. about out of this entire podcast. <laughs> Take it out. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. They're going to be like, why did they bleep the steakhouse? Yeah. Do you want me to? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I will. Maybe we should. Okay. That would be good. That would be good. I will. I will. Anyway, you, what do you want to promote? You don't need to promote. <laughs> I made it very compelling. <laughs> the Chinese spy that we were doing great until I said that China had a coordinated attack against. I me. just think it's funny that you're out of all of this, you're most concerned about the steakhouse, steakhouse. and you want that bleeped out. It is so funny. My homie Yoni will tell you, like that is my little Scorsese when I walk. Oh, in you just there. don't want to blow it up. I see. Right. All right, and we'll take that out, Jeremy. Just bleep it. Just bleep, just, just, just bleep, bleep the, the name place. of it. Yeah. Yeah. They'll you be probably happy. don't watch Real Housewives, but this reminds me of Real Housewives in New York. They bleeped catch. And then everyone was like on a rampage, a rampage to find out what the bleep was. So now people are going to be even more intrigued. And it really is a thing. Like I once, <laughs> I once had, uh, I once tried to get a couple back together on Kill Tony. Yeah. And I told them, I go, you know what? I'll buy dinner for you guys at my favorite restaurant in the city. Right. And then my team told me later, they give me, we have these debriefings, which is hilarious because we live in a world of dick jokes. So I don't know why I'm having daily debriefings <laughs> of what I improvised the night before, what's going on in the Kill Tony universe. But they said like there's subreddits and whatever. People are trying to figure out what Tony's favorite steakhouse is. So like it's kind of been. Okay. So we will definitely bleep that. <laughs> I know the same thing happened. I have my place. You remember this, Kyle. I had my place. You bleep the name of the place, but you left in my mention of McNuggets. So everybody figured it out. <laughs> People know your favorite place. You've talked about Denny's multiple times on the I podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a, I'm a, like, I eat like a five-year-old on the road. I love it. I yeah. never would have guessed that about you. Because no. he's only since he turned 65. He oh yeah, because I get the, the Grand Slam at the senior discount. Yeah. Mm. He loves a discount. I like you the Grand the Slam. Discount. <laughs> I love the Grand Slam. <laughs> the discount's better than the Grand Slam. If, you prefer Denny's over Waffle House? Yeah, we, we have less Waffle Houses in California. Uh, don't we have don't less? Don't we have any? We don't, we don't have, have any. any. Oh, so that's, that's less. less. That's yeah. what? Yeah. 
Yeah. Really? No. Well, we have in and out Well. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that has nothing to do with Denny's and I'm Waffle just House. saying a lot of places don't have in and out oh, We have in and out I'm the only one that hasn't mentioned the fast food place. <laughs> in and out is left the, out. in and out is the basically the only thing that I really miss. The in and outs here are different. Really? Yeah, they have a different thing. You have a Whataburger. Don't you have Whataburger? Nobody really likes Whataburger. Uh, I had a, Can I leave I that in? Teacher, yes. I had a teacher that made me bring back a Whataburger for her when we came here. Yeah, it's weird. If you're raised in Texas, yeah. you love Whataburger. If you have ever had fast food before <laughs> and you come here, you're like, what? People are crazy. My son made me take barbecue, go for barbecue yesterday. But he said, I, I, I said, well, it's tonight for dinner. Let's have barbecue. He goes, dinner is not barbecue. Lunch is barbecue. Is that true? Ooh. Yeah, but if you have to have a scheduled nap, you know that, right? You go no nap, you eat barbecue for lunch and go no nap? Are you on Adderall? Yeah, he's, <laughs> he should on, be. He should be. He's That's, got a, I think he's got a problem. Do you ever get tired? <laughs> you never get tired. Right. Tired so, of sitting. You're special. <laughs> That's no, Alex. That's no, my Alex. <laughs> no, no right human should uh, have barbecue for lunch and be able to sustain a normal evening and night. Barbecue. He did. He did. Did. Barbecue is supposed to, barbecue slows you down. We learned that real quick when we moved from California. We're like, oh, we're like you with the bats. We're like, oh, let's eat barbecue. We're Texans now. Let's look at the bats and eat barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> You're calling me an idiot. Without calling me an idiot. <laughs> I got to tell you, uh, Tony, I love you. I love that I had, I, it was the highlight of my career being on Kill Tony. I'm being serious. He's serious. No, being, he's totally serious. I'm being absolutely, why are you, why are you laughing at that? He is serious. I'm being absolutely serious. We came back with everybody. Did Guys, everybody sitting here, did we not talk about this being an amazing night? He's like, this is what I want to do. I want to do this. I, this is, this is the dream. This is the most fun I've yeah. had in 25 years. It felt like the most creative. I felt like I was in a room where people really understood. It's like, if you love music, and you went to the fucking symphony, you know? And this was the symphony of comedy. Okay. It really was where people start, you really know what you're doing. You are changing, you and everybody here are changing the face of comedy back to what it should be. Wow. Back to what it is. Thank you. And uh, anything you ever want from me, I'm there for you. And anytime I could uh, appear on Kill Tony, I'd just like to sit in the room. You don't even have to have me on the panel. I just want to be in the room and watch it and be witness to what it really is something worth watching. And the way you're willing to go with the flow, mm -hmm. you know, when somebody showed up, if you watch that episode, you know, I, I was a fan of uh, Hans, and and yeah. uh, and you know I knew that his father lived in, and oh. I just said I just said call his dad, and he goes like without even thinking, without even flinching. Tony yeah. goes, yeah, okay, let's call his dad, <laughs> and he called fucking Korea. Yeah, we called his dad, we called everybody's dad, but it's just like I, I come from a world now where the the last thirty five years of my career have been, you know, produced by yeah. corporations, right. And there's a real different of getting, you know, it's like going skinny yeah. dipping again. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, like I couldn't going tell swimming. that about you. Yeah. It, it is there. The restraints are off. It is. It's a, uh, there's no, uh, no safety parachute. And I felt great. And it was yeah. great. And we went, we celebrated at the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to beep that one. Cause I did. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, you're great. You want to plug anything and then we're going to wrap it up. I'm, I'm, gonna go over to, I'm going over to Shane's house now. Oh, to I do love his it. Podcast. Oh, hell yeah. That's amazing. 
Yeah. Oh, that's great. Should that's I, what I'm talking. You're hanging out with the fucking bad boys today. That's, that's what I feel like. And, like and, and my daughter and my son who doesn't nap. And doesn't get tired at all. No. Barbecue for lunch. He's been up for two weeks now. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, well, I won't say why. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, I do stand-up comedy on the road. I'm doing massive uh, theaters, TonyHinchcliffe.com for tickets. Every uh, other weekend I'm out there. All the way up until May of 2024, we got uh, uh, added added shows in Seattle, Portland, and some other places. Right, Yoni? Anything? Yoni, what else? What am I missing? We'll put the website in the Kill Tony's a special treat every Monday on YouTube at 8 p.m. And uh, we're always kicking out wild different episodes. And it's a very raw, energetic show of hope and anything can happen. We're pulling names out of a bucket. Anybody can sign up. And um, yeah. And um, that's it, right? Yoni? All right. That's it. So yeah. this is our closing music. Ooh. Fancy. See that? I have a band. You play music? No, this no. is actually her husband. husband. Ooh. Yeah. He's a producer. He doesn't play. He doesn't play. He's